The book of Daniel this morning, Daniel chapter number 3, Daniel chapter number 3, and we look forward to seeing what God has for us this morning out of the book of Daniel. Uh, this is, if you were in Sunday school this morning, you heard me uh, just make a statement in passing that I attended on preaching on prayer this morning. Uh, the Lord uh, changed my mind uh, and put this message on my heart, and uh, so I want to bring the message that He's impressed upon me this morning. Daniel chapter number 3, uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 8, and we're going to read down through verse number 25. So follow along in your Bibles, if you will. Uh, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. If you have uh, been in church for any length of time, you've grown up in Sunday school, uh, you've heard of this uh, Bible story as we often refer uh, to these stories that are well known, uh, but there are some very uh, important truths that we can find uh, from Daniel chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 8, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then, when Nebu then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace succeeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men <clears throat> that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. 
I want us to look at this story this morning and verse number 25 will be our text verse, but I will remind you to keep your Bibles open because I'll look at several verses this morning in this passage we read. But I want to speak on a, a, this subject this morning as we uh, look into verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. This morning, I want to speak on this subject, a personal deliverance. A personal deliverance. We've read the story, and we know that these four Hebrew children, as they're often referred to, were delivered. Verse number 26 and 4 tells us that they were delivered. But God did not send an angel to deliver them. Jesus Christ himself came and gave a personal deliverance. Friend, you and I don't need a religious man. We don't need a holy man. I'm thankful we have a God who is personally interested in us. He's personally interested in you. And this morning, let's look at the object of a personal deliverance. Father, we thank you for what you've already done this morning. My heart's already been blessed by the fellowship we've enjoyed. My heart's been blessed by the music from the hymns to the choir to the uh, special music. And Father, I pray that uh, you would continue to use that in our hearts this morning. Father, as we come to the Word of God, may we realize that what we have before us are your everlasting words. And there are some things that you have preserved for us so that today, on this day, that these truths can uh, be highlighted and the Spirit of God can instruct us today. And Father, I pray that if there's one this morning who's unsaved and they've yet to receive the greatest personal deliverance that one could ever receive, and that's salvation through Christ, may they realize their need of salvation today. May they realize that Jesus is the answer. And Father, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. For all of us today as Christians, may we uh, be reminded of uh, your care for us. May we be reminded of uh, your concern for us. And may uh, we see these truths that made these Hebrew children the men that they were. And Father, I pray that you'd use the word today, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, just as a reminder, and in case you don't know the story, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Israel, and God had allowed his people to enter into captivity as they had rebelled against him. In the book of Daniel, of course, we know the central figure is the, the young man Daniel, who God used in a great way. If you go back to chapter number 1 and you look in verse number uh, 3 and 4, you see that Nebuchadnezzar came in and as he conquered the people, he took out all of the young children with promise. That next generation uh, that, that was skilled and they were of a certain kind, he would take them, so in the scripture tells us, so they could learn the ways of the Chaldeans. He wanted to teach them the ways uh, of, of, uh, that they had established. Now, in chapter number 1, in verse number 6, in verse number 7, uh, we see some of the names of these individuals. Uh, in verse 6 of chapter number 1, Now, among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, you may recognize the name Daniel, but you may not recognize the names of those three other that are mentioned. Verse number 7 gives clarity to that. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar. 
And so Daniel got his Babylonian name, which was Belshazzar, and the Hananiah of Shadrach, and the Mishael of Meshach, and the Azariah of Abednego. These three got their Babylonian names, and we know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, who we see in, ver- in chapter number 3. And Nebuchadnezzar uh, took these young men, and uh, they, because they decided to stay true to what they were, decided to stay true to uh, who they were, and did not adopt the ways of the Babylonians, God uh, lifted them up in the eyes of those around them. Uh, there were certain princes that were set up, and Nebuchadnezzar would use some of these gifted uh, young men, even though they were from uh, a different land, as at, in a place of leadership, and, and God, God used them in that capacity. Well, there came a time when Nebuchadnezzar decreed, and we find it in the first part of this chapter. We'll not take time to read it today, but in verses 1 through 7 of the same chapter, chapter number 3, uh, Nebuchadnezzar builds this grave in this golden image, and declares that everyone must worship that God. And when the music plays at a certain time, you must stop what you're doing, and you must worship that God. A lot of parallels in false religion today. You, they, the music would play, and certainly all the people, this was just another God to them. And so it was nothing for them to worship another God. But we know that there were some who would not worship and we know the story, and we've read the story this morning. They were, uh, we find that in verse number 25, after they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and, and they were given an opportunity. Now, we're going to give you one more chance. If when the music plays, you bow down and you worship this golden image, <coughs> and you'll be spared. But if you don't, you're going to pay with your life. We find some interesting words that the these Jews used, and we'll look at them in just a moment, but they defy the king. They don't bow when he says bow. Nebuchadnezzar is outraged. The Bible says he is full of fury. He is so angry as if a fiery furnace isn't going to kill them enough. He says heat it up seven times hotter. And he has his mightiest men take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and bind them. Take them up and cast them into the fiery furnace. The scripture tells us it was so hot that the men who cast them in lost their lives. We get down to verse number 24 and Nebuchadnezzar asked the question, didn't we just throw three men in? Now, it's interesting that he is distracted because he sees a fourth. But he never asked the question, how come they're not dead? Which is a, would be a logical question. If the men who were throwing them in lost their lives because it was so heat, he said, we, did we throw three in? And we see in verse number 25, the answer, he answered and said, lo, I see four men loose. There's not just one more than we put in there. They are loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. I've often, my mind is a little bit different, I, I guess. I've often, it's because I've heard these stories from a child up. What were they doing just walking around? Were they talking? Were they discussing? Uh, but we know that they were in the midst of the fire and have no hurt. 
And here's the most important part of that, certainly a miracle, certainly deliverance. And certainly in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fact that they were delivered was a big deal. But think about how they were delivered. There was one that they said is like the Son of God. It was the Son of God who came and delivered them personally. Think about that. Jesus was walking in the fire with them. He delivered them. There was no harm to them. This was a personal deliverance. Friend, I I point this out because I want us to be reminded today that uh, if you are a child of God, you have the same God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have. This world wants to talk about this God and that God, but let me tell you, there's one God, the true God, Jehovah God. It's the same God I serve. It's the same God you serve. Uh, He is the same God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it does something in this preacher's heart to read of how God would care enough about these individuals who would take a stand for him, and in the midst of casting them into this fire, he would deliver them personally. He could, I I tell you, if if I was in this situation, I wouldn't have cared how my deliverance came. Send an angel, send whoever, I don't care, but just loose me, get me out of here, let me live another day. But Christ himself personally took it upon himself to deliver these individuals. I'll get ahead of myself uh, just a little bit, but friend, that's the way you and I have been delivered. Uh, God did not send an angel to pay for your sins. God did not send another prophet to pay for your sins. God sent his only begotten son to pay personally for your sins. This morning, the Baptist preacher can't pay for your sins. The Pope can't pay for your sins. No holy man can pay for your sins. Only Jesus Christ can pay for your sins. God loved man enough that he personally sent deliverance. Practically speaking in our life, there are times when we want to be delivered from our circumstances. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We want to be delivered from a burden. We want to be delivered from a heartache. We want to be delivered from difficult circumstances. We may live, society gets to a place, we want to be delivered from some things that are thrust on us. As I look at this story and these individuals, we obviously put our focus on the ending, which is certainly the most important part when you're talking about their deliverance. But if we look a little bit more closely, we're going to find that there are some things that are, were necessary for there to be a personal deliverance. And while we look for deliverance and we want deliverance in our own life and we want God to show himself mighty and we want God to work through us and show this world that there is a true living God. And, and we pray like this. I know I've prayed like this. Perhaps you can relate to this. God, if you would just do this miracle, if you would just do this thing, uh, then this world would see. No, we want a story just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't we? But I find some things that are a progression to get us to this place. And I want us to see that if there's going to be a personal deliverance, there's going to have to be some personal things that lead us to that point. In verse number 12, I want to draw your attention to verse number 12 again, and let me point out that there was a personal dedication. Before there was the personal deliverance, you had some young men who were personally dedicated. Notice in verse number 12, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image when thou hast set up. Now, I want you to notice every word in the Bible is there on purpose, and every word in the Bible is important. There are certain Jews. There, who were these Jews? We, we know who they were. They, they would not serve Babylonian gods. The gods that everybody else was serving, they weren't serving. The, the golden image that everybody else was bowing down to, they didn't bow down. Well, often we feel like we're the only one who's taking a stand, don't we? Well, there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't bow down. Everybody bowed down. But that word certain tells me that there were some Jews that had been taken in captivity that did bow down. They had the same heritage. They came from the same place. They entered the same captivity. They had the same opportunity to stand, but undoubtedly they adopted the gods of that day. And certainly they could come up with justification and they could ju come up with uh, all the reasons why they bowed to that golden image. But there were certain Jews. There were most of them just went along with what was expected of them and turned to the side. But there were some who stayed personally dedicated to their God. You can almost hear the disdain in that word certain, can't you? Nebuchadnezzar, there's certain Jews, and let me identify them. You know, we live in a world today when everybody's afraid to be labeled. Let me just go on record and say, I'll be okay being that certain preacher who's not going to change his message, who's not going to change with the times, who's not going to bow to the pressure of the world and, and pressure of politics and, and pressure of the, uh, the, the local associations. It's okay with me to be the certain preacher in town who's still going to preach that Jesus is the only way to heaven, is still going to preach that this is the true word of God, is still going to preach that God's people should be different from the world and God's people should try and reach the world. I'll be okay being that certain preacher. And let me just say, Christian, you need to be okay with being a certain Christian. If you haven't discovered, everybody's a Christian. Everybody puts the name Christian on their own life. Oh, but there's those certain Christians. They're not like all the other Christians. And they believe certain things, and there's certain things they won't go along with. Hey, don't be afraid of the label. Hey, Christian, you may have to be the certain family member who doesn't go along with the worship of the Babylonian gods who doesn't march to the same beat when the music plays and we got to be a part of church and we got to do what the Bible says and, well, why don't you love your family? It's okay being the certain Christian. You know my response to that is, why don't you love God? They labeled them and they were known as the certain Jews. And friend, you and I have got to be okay with the word certain. It implies there are some who are not doing what God has instructed them to do. I point this out because we rejoice in the personal deliverance, but there had to be a personal dedication. How dedicated are you personally to God? 
You're a member of a church that I could say is, as a church, we're dedicated. But if the dedication of the church was in relation to how dedicated you are to God, how dedicated? There is a personal dedication. Number two, the second observation I see here is there was a personal relationship. What made them so dedicated? It's the same thing that ought to make you and I dedicated. Because they had a personal relationship with God. Look with me at verse number 17. Well, you, you can't read verse, 17, uh, verse 17 without verse 16. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They weren't concerned with being politically correct. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now I want you to notice after the words, if it be so, they say our God. Because that's what this conversation is about. It's about gods. How dare you not bow to the God that I've set up? Nebuchadnezzar's already thrown the gauntlet down and said, what God is going to save you from me? The answer is, if it be so, our God. See, it's important to be reminded that these young men, these men lived in a day where there were many gods. And there were many things that were worshipped. And there was many things that were bowed down to. And there was many things that dictated when they stopped and when they worshipped and when they didn't, just like the day we live in. And there are many gods that are talked about. They're not all golden images. They're not all graven images. They're, they're ways of life many times. There's, there, there are people that are made gods. But there is a personal relationship with Jehovah God. That was their God. And friend, there must be a personal relationship with God. He was not a God to them. He was not another God to them. But he was our God. Oh, may we as Christians have the same uh, uh, thought today and the same reality today that we have a personal relationship with the Almighty God. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a personal relationship that only comes through salvation? Oh, we rejoice today and we read verse number 25 and those three Hebrew men, they were in the fire, they were loose. That in itself was a miracle. But who was in the fire with them? The Son of God was. I, I think that was a pretty, oh, the word that comes to mind is cool. Is that okay? That's a pretty cool thing. But it was their God. It was a personal relationship. Do you have a personal relationship that only comes through salvation? Today we Say, well, 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 God, and what do we mean by that as a, as a society? And what do we mean as a people? Oh, it can mean a lot of things. But the question that, that I'm going to have to answer one day is not who somebody else's God is. I'm going to have to answer the question, do I have a relationship with him? Oh, but you know, God, we lived in, in, in the days, and it wasn't like in the founding of our nation. It wasn't like in the Great Awakenings, and, and everybody had a God, and, and everybody had to... Matter of fact, you could talk more about other gods than you could talk about you, Jehovah God. 
and, and, and you could get canceled by talking about Jesus, but, but you could just accept, you have to accept all the others, everybody else's gods. The day I live in, all that's going to matter is if I had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And friend, you can look at society and you can look at what goes on in our world today and you can have all these other uh, benchmarks in your life, but the only thing that matters is do you know Christ? Do you have a personal relationship that only comes through salvation? After salvation, do you have a personal fellowship? In order to have a personal fellowship, you've got to have a personal relationship. I'm afraid there are many who are seeking a fellowship, but they don't have the relationship. You can't have true fellowship with God unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And sadly, on the other end of that spectrum, or the other side of that coin, are those who have a personal relationship. They have trusted Christ as their Savior, but they have no personal fellowship. I would dare say that when those men were in the fire with Christ, that was not the first time they had fellowship. If, sadly, in the life of many Christians, I'm thankful for the graciousness of God. I'm thankful for how God delivers us. I'm thankful for all the things God does for us that we're not even aware of. But with many, if they were in the same situation and and Christ showed up in the fire with them, that's the most time they would have spent with him in their life. Do you have a personal relationship? Have you trusted Christ? The the follow-up question to that is, do you have a personal fellowship? How much have you talked to your Savior? How much time have you spent in that book? Well, how do I fellowship with Christ? You read His words. You talk to Him. You're interested in what He has to say. You're interested in uh, the, the life that he has for you to live. We must have that personal fellowship. I, th- I think of th- this as someone that has such a small fellowship with God that they wouldn't have recognized him in the fire. Oh, how's your fellowship? We as God's people, we need to, we need to have a fellowship. This was not the first time they had fellowship with Christ. I see a Personal dedication. We must be dedicated. I see a personal relationship. Number three, I want you to look with me in verse number 18. We see a personal stand. Now, we know Nebuchadnezzar's position on this, don't we? He's in a rage. And he commands them again, okay, the music's going to play. And when it does, if you bow down, you're off the hook. That's where a lot of Christians would have got off right there. Well, you know, I can't really be a witness if, if I'm dead. Well, that might be true, but if you compromise, you're not being a witness when you're alive. But we see in verse number 15, I know I said 18, but I like what verse 15 says. Now, if ye be ready, that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast at the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Here's the answer, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king of Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter, if it be so. Be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. 
Verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. There was a personal dedication because of a personal relationship that led to a personal stand. These individuals could not betray their God. They said, our, our, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, boy, there's that faith. You see, we look at these Bible characters and say, well, I want to have faith like this. You do have faith like this. Man, God can give me, but if he doesn't, you know, what am I going to do? He said, no matter what takes place, what they're saying is if we die in this burning, fiery furnace, King, understand something. We're not serving your God. We're not worshiping the golden image that thou hast set up. Well, last Sunday morning, if you recall the message from Esther, if I perish, I perish. No matter what happens, what it is is a personal stand. They were unwilling to move off of God's position. You think of these young men, how they're taken from their home. Never reunited. They were taken to a strange land, told that they had to change their name, change their language, change their customs, change everything. See, those of you transplanted Yankees, you thought you had a culture shock? This is the reverse of that. Like a, from the South having to live up North. I mean, that's, they, have to, they have to learn all these different things. And uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. That was, just, that was so good. Um, but then it comes to the point where it's their God, and a couple people look mad right now. I can't tell if they're actually mad or that's just the way Yankees look. I can't tell. I, anyway, um, unwillingness to move off of God's position. They were told they had to have another God. And you know those Ten Commandments? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know what? Nobody would have known but God. They could have justified changing. They could have justified with the pressure. Hey, it's, it, it, it's what, what's got to take place. It's, we didn't know it was going to be like this, but no matter what the circumstances were, they did not move off of God's position. You know what would make a difference in your life, in your family, in this world, is if Christians would have the same stand as these individuals said. If God has said it, that's where I stand. Nobody was there to pat them on the back for taking a stand. They couldn't post their stand on social media. They couldn't, they, they couldn't take a poll. It was just, this is what we know who God is. We serve our God. We're not moving off of that position no matter what the circumstances are. Friend, you and I need to get back in that book right there and see what God has said and plant our two feet on what God has said and not move it. Every, every husband and wife, listen to me. God has established what it's what to be in a marriage, and God is establishing things about the home, and God has established the order of the home. And we had to get back and say, God has said, I know what society has said, but I want to stand where God has said. 
every parent needs to get in this book and see what God has said about rearing their children and, and the things that they ought to establish in their home. And quit listening to Aunt Susie or quit listening to, to the, the latest uh, psychologist and say, this is what God has said, and I'm going to rear my children according to what God has said, and I'm not going to move off of it. This is my personal stand. The churches in the day we live in, we need to say that this is what God has established the church to be. This is the mission the church is to have. This is the, what we're supposed to be as part of the church, and this is going to be our stand in our day, in our life as a Christian. What has God said? We don't have to, we don't have to have it explained to us as a reasoning or it's unpopular. It's a personal stand. Sadly, there's many Christians who say, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to ever be, I would never want to be thrown in a fiery furnace. Don't worry, you won't. Because you have to have a personal dedication that comes from a personal relationship that leads to a personal stand. It takes a stand. Some of you have been at this long enough as a child of God, you can look back and say, I'm thankful I stood where I was supposed to stand. Yo, parents, if you have children in the nursery, several of whom we've heard from this morning, you sh- it's, oh, when they're, my child is, especially you get this first, oh, my child is so, so good. And, and, and that's the reason we got to move our nurseries. And, and, and oh, it's, it's uh, oh, it's just, just, oh, my child is so, and oh, they're so, and I tell, I tell these, these, these new dads who find out they're going to be a baby, if they're going to be a baby, they've been a baby for a while, find out they're having a child, and especially when they find out it's a girl. I say, look at me. I know from experience. Look at me. A couple things you need to know. First of all, they are born a woman. They're going to do things. There's no explanation. Mood over here, mood over here. And that's just in the first week they've been home. I mean, they, they are, you better understand that. And number two, you better get established right now how you're going to rear them. Because when they get older and they look at you and then those tears, especially guys, when you have a little, I don't, I don't have a son, but that happens like, man, get, stop, stop that, you, you know. But when those girls, it's like, just stop, stop. And when you, when you have a wife and three daughters, are all, somebody's crying all the time. And you, just, you don't know the reason. So it's just like, just stop. You know you're going to get so much Bible this morning, did you? The point I'm making is you better decide before they're 16, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Before the, the time comes when you have to take that stand, your dedication is going you need to be established. Your relationship needs to be sure. There was a personal stand, and no matter what the consequences, they were willing to make that stand. I mentioned number four, and we're, we're done. We then see a willingness for a personal sacrifice. In verse number 16, when I think of this, man, we're going to be so embarrassed when we get to heaven. I mean, I know we're not going to be embarrassed, but you know what I mean. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In verse 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their hose and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. 
There is a personal sacrifice. If you are truly dedicated to your God, hear me this morning when I say, you will have to make personal sacrifices. If the cause of Christ is going to be proclaimed and the cause of Christ is going to be advanced, God's people must make personal sacrifices. Well, Pastor, I'd be more faithful to church if it fit my schedule better. No, change your schedule. But that's when I do this. If it keeps you from doing what you need to do, you must make personal sacrifices. Well, Pastor, if I, if I gave to missions and if I did this, I wouldn't be able to do that. That may not be bad things that you're, you're talking about, but if we are really going to reach the world with the gospel, we may not be able to participate in this because we're giving to this so the gospel can go forth. There must be a personal sacrifice. Friend, if we are going to stand, well, we must stand. You must be willing. You're not going to be the most popular. It's not going to be the most ready received, but there must be a willingness to make some personal sacrifice. Too many today are unwilling to make that sacrifice. Young parents, you're going to have to make sacrifices to rear your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If your marriage is going to be Christ honoring, you're going to have to make husband, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Wife, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. If we as a church are going to make a real difference that affects eternity, there's going to have to be sacrifices made. One of the reasons why our nation is in peril today is because you could go from generation, from the founding of our nation after generation, generations willing to sacrifice, willing to sacrifice, willing to sacrifice, but we're in peril because there came a generation that said we don't want any sacrifice. Matter of fact, we want the opposite of sacrifice. We want somebody else just to give and to give and to give that's not the way it works. There's got to be sacrifices for the child of God. Because that's where a dedication from a personal relationship leads you to a personal stand. It's going to demand personal sacrifice. But let's look at the end of the story. All these things led to their personal deliverance. In this context, there's a literal fire these young men were delivered from. I know what somebody may be thinking right now. Well, Pastor, what about the martyrs? And they were burned at the stake. There is an eternal fire that we are delivered from. Today, friend, you may be going to a, through a figurative fire. God allows his children to pass through the fire because there's a work that he wants to do in their life. And there may be burdens and trials. And let me tell you, if there's anybody that can and wants to deliver you, it is your personal Savior. But friend, I'm out of time. And we look at this and you think of the sacrifices that many have made and the stands that many were, are willing to take. The Bible reminds us in the book of Hebrews that it is far better for us to be with the Lord. And I read of the accounts of martyrs and in the accounts of those who have paid the ultimate price and those like these three Hebrew children that were willing to 
stand on what they believed and, and sacrifice whatever they needed to sacrifice. The day is coming when all of us, if you're saved, you're going to pass from this life to the next. And here, a welcome home. Friend, this morning I can rejoice and I can say I've got a personal deliverer. My God has delivered me from the figurative fire. There's been times when in my life you walk through the valley, you go through things, and God allows you to pass through trials, and God allows you to go through things, and we call them, we're going through the fire, whatever you want to say, that God delivers you from that. But friend, even greater than that, there's an eternal fire. There's real fire in that place called hell. And those that refuse Christ's payment on sin, they will spend eternity in there. But can I testify just for a moment this morning, as a child, I put my faith and trust in the same one that was in that fire with these three Hebrew children. And I put my faith in him and what Christ did on Calvary. God loved the world so much he sent his son to pay for man's sins. I put my faith in him. And let me tell you, I don't know when it is. I hope it's a far time in the future. But I'll take my last breath on this side of eternity. And I'll never, I don't worry about that eternal fire. Because in that moment, when I pass from this life to the next, it'll be the same son of God who was in the fire with them will say, welcome home. It's time to come home. And friend, you must know that you have a personal Savior personal deliverance. I have grandparents in heaven. But the fact that they're in heaven won't get me to heaven. I have a daughter in heaven. The fact that she's in heaven won't get me to heaven. Because I must have a personal deliverance. Friend, this morning, do you have a personal deliverance? Deliverance? Do you have a personal relationship? And you're, there may be somebody in here, you may have been saved in recent weeks, and you're the only Christian in your family. You get your dedication where it needs to be. You build that relationship, that fellowship with your Savior. I don't have time. I may preach on tonight. I haven't decided Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't preach a sermon about what took place. But Nebuchadnezzar did. And you stand where you need to stand. You be willing to make the sacrifices. You will have to. I'm not here to tell you that to gloss it over and say there's nothing that you have to. You will have to make sacrifices. But we have a God who's worthy of our sacrifice. Father, I pray this morning you use your word to accomplish your goals.